All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, And we have a fantastic guest. I say that all the time, but we actually saw him on stage last week, and he just blew our minds, me and Norman's minds. It's just been a week. It's it's a trip. Amazing. Mike Teuton, how are you, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. By the way, was that your, now that I'm in in the yay mothership, and I see audio set up and the the piano, that was obviously your intro music, was it? I wish I I could take credit for claiming that but i'm a um an audiophile i love obscure 70s yeah. hits yeah so that was a group called um chocolate milk i believe it's chocolate milk hot chocolate i think yeah. and they did a, a thing called say won't you so no i can't take credit for that and it took <laughs> how long it was months I, for somebody know, to guess that our first year i said hey i'll give a hundred i think it was a hundred dollars something like that yeah. for someone who could guess it no one could guess it until Will Hammond guessed it, uh, maybe like two or three years afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a flex. That's a pretty good guess. Yeah. No, I, I love those well, things. He's, you know. he's a music guy. So yeah. yeah, one hit wonders. Anyway, Mike, how are you doing? Um, you're in your fourth, is it your fourth week of doing? Yeah. Um, is it the fourth week, really? Damn. Yeah. Uh, Engine of our disruption. At it's Central been so Works. long, I'm not sure I even got it that right. I, I think third it's the third fourth. week. Third or fourth, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, I have it up here. For those who don't know, uh, Mike Tutani, you are one of the uh, the main actors for the Engine of Our Disruption. Main actors. There are four actors. So everyone's a main actor. Uh, it, it began October the 14th. So yeah. I believe this is your fourth. Four. Yeah, fourth yep. week. Fourth week. Damn. <laughs> fourth, fourth week. But um, no, you are in a magnificent presence on stage. Uh, you play Extifer. Mm. Um, we were talking off mic. Not really an antagonist, but I would say a um, a character who's driven. Oh, I'd say he's an antagonist. Yeah, <laughs> just a driven sort of a Steve Jobs. Uh, um, I have Sam Sam Bankman Freed on my mind. You know, yeah. the guy who did FTX, and right. this week he got um, going to jail. Convicted. <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody knows right. they're the bad guy. Until yeah, they're sent to jail, and even then. Yeah, you know what? That's that's a very good point. And next for you, that character that you play is very much uh, that. Yeah, uh, I, did, I never thought of him as a as a bad guy. I just imagined no, him yeah, being said. surrounded by people who were just trying to get in the way of the obvious uh, mm-hmm. the obvious thing that the world needed, yep. which is the ver too. <laughs> right, exactly. And we'll talk more about that and about you and well, all and cool things that you're doing. I talked to Jan last night, and yeah. interesting fact, I didn't know about this play. Mm-hmm. The name came before Musk changed Twitter to X. Wow. So just a coincidence. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really interesting. As I begin every podcast, how was your week? I need an actor. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm just trying to get things together for our Baldwin project. So mm. that's that's been the dominant thing in my week. I, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, how's the family? I haven't asked you in a couple of podcasts how um, Mara's well, doing. We and just how, got yeah. tickets for my mom to come up the nice. first week of, or second week of um, December. Yeah. So she's going to come and stay with us for a week. Uh, we were trying to get her for Thanksgiving. She's like, I don't want to travel when all those people are traveling. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's It's so funny. It's roles reversed. That used to be me. Oh, I'm not coming for the holiday. I'll come after the holiday. I'll mm-hmm. come before the holiday, but I'm not 
I'm not coming for the holiday. Yeah. Now mom is pulling that, and I'm like, mm, okay. You know, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, no, everybody seems okay. Yeah, Dexter? How's Dexter doing? Given that I hear almost nothing, <laughs> I, I think he's doing fine. Um, we've got a niece who's yeah. coming into town this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, so um, Mara was checking to see if Dexter would make time to see his cousin. Yeah. And he said he will, but he wouldn't commit to when or how. Right. And I'm like, okay. You're a young adult. That's okay. When you need something, you'll be back. Yeah. We're here. Speaking of moms, I talked to my mom this morning. Uh, Mm. She is in the hospital. She's had a setback from... I may have have talked to you about that. Yeah, a little. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she'd been battling cancer uh, for a while and we thought that she was in the men's and she was doing better. And then I think a week or maybe two weeks ago, got you know, these are these phone calls and text messages that you just hate to get, but you know you're going to get. Um, so she's back in the hospital. Um, I talked to her today. She, her voice, I can always tell how she's doing by her voice, mm-hmm. regardless of what she tells me. You know, I know that she's doing well. And right now she's with my sister and her family. And I'll be traveling to Thanksgiving to visit her. Ah. Unfortunately, she'll be in the hospital. That's, that's sad. I, um, I'm hoping that, you know, she'll be better enough that she can come home. But in any case... You know, that's what's happening. Mike, it's do you have are your families yeah. around? Yeah. Uh, well, we were just discussing that Debbie, my partner, she uh, she's dealing with the fact that uh, I'm doing a production yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Right. So we're sort of dealing with, um, I don't there's got to be a term for that, like performance widow or something. <laughs> right. Oh, that's oh, basically sure. what it is. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. But what about your parents? Are they around? Mom's around. Mom's uh, coming up for Christmas this year, which is oh, nice. with my nephews and my brother and my sister-in-law. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we, we rented a house in Montclair. And so we're like, shit, we could fit a tree up in here. We've got, <laughs> we've got a bedroom for people to stay in. There you in. go. There you it's go. It's going to be great. My dog's going to be driven crazy, but it should be good. No, no, that should, that should be awesome. And you know, that's... The traditional family thing, you know, to have a, you know, that titular place where you can fit everybody in, you know, have that traditional um, holiday spirit. That's fantastic. So there have been some current events. We mentioned Sam Bankman-Fried. You know, he's been convicted, which is interesting because we're talking. The engine of our disruption is about tech and how tech disrupts individual personal lives. And so he is now faced what was inevitable, I think. I think he had, if you steal billions of dollars and you use one tech company, FTX, as a piggy bank for your other tech company, just, Alameda just Research. Borrow. Didn't steal. You're not going to just skate. <laughs> Reg, you don't understand. He was just moving money around. That's it was, right. it was That's all. stealing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that case? His father, because I was reading about it, wrote the laws, no. regula- the regulatory laws to oh. prevent that sort of wow. stuff. And his own son mm-hmm. is sort of doing it. So, I mean, well, it's sort of spoiled. I mean, you know, these are these <laughs> he came from a privileged family and he thought he could do pretty much anything. And but I, I imagine the father must feel very, very conflicted, you know, having these ethics and even teaching classes on ethics. Yeah. Right. At Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I, I find that fascinating. Um, there have been other things going on. There's a funny I usually have the funny bits at the last half. Um, but this was funny. Uh, Ron, De, there's a controversy with Ron DeSantis. Supposedly wearing boosters. You know, oh right, boosters he, he does. I mean, <laughs> he's lifting. Yes. Wasn't that the? Oh, uh, yeah. What was the term that when you use lifts? Yeah. Was, right, uh, exactly. I mean, as if there was an issue that he is maybe five eight. I mean, what's the big deal? Is he five eight? 
Well, wow. he says he's 5'11", and if he's lying, oh, boy, wow. then... What? That's a big boost. <clears throat> right. That's a tough one to lie about. You can yeah. lie about your CV. Who's going to know? But <laughs> right. when you lie about your height, like... Right, exactly. But it's just the the how... I don't even know the word for it. How um, how insecure must you be? Right. I mean, I understand politics. You know, uh, people elect... I, I don't know what the demographics are, but, you know, uh, the last president had been right. over six feet tall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the last president that was five feet was, I think, James Monroe. You got to go back to <laughs> the right? fifth president mm-hmm. in 1816. Something <laughs> like that, yeah. They've all been lifting ever since. That's the thing. <laughs> they've all been 5'5", five, five, but they've... Right, exactly. So it's, it's really, really crazy. Um, another interesting thing, Colorado. So there's a trial which wrapped up, yeah. which wants to remove Trump from the ballot. It's done? Yeah, it's done. So now it's up to the judge to decide what's going to go on. And what's happening um, is it's all based on the 14th Amendment, sure, which is about insurrection, where it says that you, uh, you should be removed from or you should not hold you office. You should not be able to hold office. Be able yeah. to hold office. But it's never been enforced. I think there may have been two congressmen they since tried, 1919 yeah, yeah. where they've tried to do it. So this is this will be a new precedent. So how how do we feel about that? I mean, on one end, yes, I guess it's justice if if, there, if there's a law saying that you can't do it, that you can't shouldn't hold office. But also, this could give fodder mm-hmm. to the Republicans to say, hey, this is the only way that they can remove us by you know doing this. Let's well, just do it the given the little way. bit that I've read about yeah. the prosecution's case. It just sounded so general. I mean, it's you can connect the dots, but that's the point. You have to connect the dots. Right. You don't have an explicit, hey, I'm telling you people to go out and do this. Yeah. You don't, it's more about you setting, don't have that. It's more about setting a precedent than actually having right. something tangible. Um, are you worried about Trump in 2024? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's part of the reason why I became a playwright was like trying to deal with my feelings about that dipshit being elected. Like mm-hmm. it was, yeah, yeah, man. Of course, I'm. How can you not be upset and, and worried? I, 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 this this Fourteenth Amendment ruling, I, I worry about things this general. To your point, mm-hmm. that once you break the glass and use that weapon, anyone can use it. Yep. So it's, that's and yeah, because once you set a precedent for your purpose, right? People can use that pre- precedent, that tool right. for their purpose, yeah. and then you know you open up all sorts of things you don't want to open up. You know, it's not Trump that I'm so worried about. It's the people that follow him that I'm worried about, especially younger folks. And this is a good segue into, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, before I talk about that, Richard May, we should give, this is the actor who was in (gasps) the African-American Shakespeare Company, Death of a Salesman, here in the Bay Area. He was hit by a car and he passed away. And he killed, yeah. And they had to stop their production. They they, they were deciding, the production, yeah. yeah. And it's sad. It's very very sad. Usually, when we talk about the news, it's about news is happening outside. But this is right here, in the heart of the Bay Area. He was heading to the theater. He, wow. Right. He was on his way to the theater. Um, Steve Ortiz is in the production. I'm yeah. getting these text messages from Steve saying this is what's going on, like daily. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, this is way personal. <laughs> and then, you know, it's in the headlines, and you're like. Oh, I'm connecting up what's going on mm-hmm. in the headlines, in the news, which usually feels so distant to, yeah. this is happening to me, <clears throat> to my community. Yeah. And you know what's so <clears throat> sad? Richard May, 64, the newspaper says he's either 64 or 65. I don't think that really matters. Mm-hmm. But this was his first paid production. Oh! Not okay. only that, he was formerly homeless. Mm-hmm. So this was a... 
I mean, I wish, I, I truly hope that the theater, Bay Area theater community uplifts him yeah. and, you know, lifts his family. Uh, but it's so sad. I mean, I can just think about being out of theater and just having it in my mind, dreaming about it, and then getting an opportunity. Thank God for uh, African American Chicks for giving him that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many productions they've done prior to his, you know, passing away. But he had that one last moment. His last moments were being on the stage. Mm-hmm. So that's... Wow. I think that's awesome. It's, and it's sad. It's, it, it is. I remember a person, a guy that I had worked with, we lost track of each other, mm-hmm. bumped into him years later, new job, new wife, mm-hmm. and he's back doing theater. He had taken some years off and he's back doing theater. Yeah. And, uh, and he was in a production. They were in Tech Week. So while they're futzing with lights and whatever, he's sitting in the back of the theater. And he kind of passes out. Mm. So end of the night comes. They, you know, turn on the lights. Everybody's taking off. Somebody says, oh, we should go wake him up. And they go up there and he's gone. And I went, wow, there are worse ways to go. Mm. Mm. I mean, if you got to go, I I, I wouldn't mind going in the theater. (laughs) I I, I think there's one actor who I think has died on stage. I can't remember his name, but... um, it's it's. I, I'm glad that he had that opportunity. Died on name. stage. He actually died on. He had a heart attack and died on stage. Wow. Uh, I can't remember the dude's name. Uh, and it was one of those. Oh, it's just a trope. It's not real. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it did happen. I think a comedian. I think a, a bridge mm. comedian. Mm. But in any case, wow. um, Richard May. You know, uh, God. You know, you know, um, you know, peace and love and and you know, hopefully you're in a better place. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, so I had an interesting conversation with my sister. I'm the oldest of four. And um, I was reading an article in the Washington Post, and this gets into politics and this whole book banning thing. We've, we've been talking at ad nauseum on the, on the podcast about book banning, mm-hmm. and usually they're by conservatives, ultra-conservatives, who are like, oh, my God, we can't have our kids being woke by, you know, right. these liberals. But in Washington, I think Bellingham, Washington, Black kids want to ban To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, and I found that fascinating. And I was reading up on it. And I was talking with my younger sister, who's about 16 years younger than I am, just to get her perspective. Because, you know, I, I was never, we it was not part of our curriculum to learn To Kill a Mockingbird. Because I think I was in Washington, D.C., the chocolate city. Everyone's black. So it's not like we had to face racism or anything like that. So, may, but... I know a lot of kids do. And what the black kids are saying today is like, listen, we don't want to hear about Atticus Finch. We don't hear about the white man saving the black guy and Mm -hmm. the black character, Tom, which is ironic, (laughs) the name, Mm -hmm. um, having to be saved. And he doesn't have any voice at all. And he gets lynched anyway. This is a horrible story, even though it's told by Harper Lee. And it was Mm -hmm. her first book. You know, she wrote it in 1957. Mm -hmm. It was published, I think, the next year. Gave rave reviews. Um, Of course, it was uh, played on the movies by Gregory Peck, who won an Academy Award in 1961, Mm -hmm. right in the middle of the civil rights marches. So you had a liberal audience who were like, wow, this is fantastic. This is a great way to teach our kids about racial equality and all that stuff. And And now it's being twisted into something else. Do we have any thoughts about that? You know, the funny thing to me about the play is, um, so I, for many years, have taught at uh, taught middle school, seventh grade, mm-hmm. and we've done brought a theater curriculum into them based on Ashland's season. Apparently, one year, Ashland was doing To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. So I'm in this school, 
there's one black kid in the class, and mm. I go to that kid and I say, hey, if you want to be in my play, I got a role for you. You can be in my play. But if you don't want to be in my play, do not feel any obligation. They opted to do the Shakespeare, and that was that was fine with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing To Kill a Mockingbird with no black children, with no black actors. So who played How the you, defendant? Yeah. I got an idea, and I stole the idea from Tammy Berlin, actually. I decided that I would make all the black characters, because there are other black characters in the story. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a beautiful image that works really well on stage. There's a gallery, the colored gallery, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't allowed to sit in the main house of the courthouse. They were stuck up in the gallery, which, you know, in Georgia or wherever the hell it is, in the summer, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you're just uncomfortable as hell. But they would sit up there with their fans, mm-hmm. silently watching this thing take place. So I went, ooh, sunglasses so I put sunglasses on all of the characters that were supposed to be black Mm. and which I I think I cut everybody but the defendant Mm -hmm. um, and I kept that course so I had a group of kids who sat there off to the side but Mm -hmm. all in these dark I actually use those 3D glasses yeah Mm. which everywhere you can go to Urban Ore and you know pile handfuls of them yeah Um, but they sat there and and I did a whole exercise with them so that as a group, you would see them look in a direction or look up or purposely just sort of all look in different directions and then focus. Yeah. And it just was a huge, powerful image. The poor kid who had to play Tom mm-hmm. also stuck him in. And I saved this until right before performance because I just talked about, you know, it's a universal situation. You know, his experience is the experience anybody in that situation has, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I'm like, you, you've got to do this acting with sunglasses on. Sorry. <clears throat> you have to. Shades. And, uh, and it worked great. And the audience definitely got the effect that mm-hmm. I was going for, which I think is what the play wants. Mm-hmm. The next year, every year, I come back, and the eighth graders, some of them come running at me, hi, Norman, and some of them avoid me, and most of them are too busy being eighth graders to care. Mm-hmm. This kid avoided me like the plague the next year. Oh, that kid had to play Tom. The kid who played Tom. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if you feel like I stabbed you in the back or if you feel like I put you in a really uncomfortable place. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's... And, you know, uh, Mike, I'll, I'll... Get your views on it. How do we teach kids? Because really, the job to be done with to go to the especially in the schools, mm-hmm. is to teach kids about racial integration well, yeah. and also history. The history of this is what it is. Hist- you know, history is ugly. Yeah. Right. History is horrible. Right. But it has to be told. Or else How do you we'll teach World War Two without talking about it. the Nazis and the concentration camps? Exactly. Right. Exactly. I, I, I did. I I did read about a school shutting down a production of South Pacific because of tropes and uh-huh. you know there were a lot of things that were deemed offensive by a, a certain section of the student body mm-hmm. and instead of turning it into a conversation or writing something new about that they yeah. just it just became a, a let's just shut it down mm-hmm. and <clears throat> to I think both of your point that just avoids everything right. and underscores the need for new stuff yeah so I, that's <laughs> yes. that's I mean I think that's what's great about what Gary and Jan are doing and and what's great about what you guys are doing um, through the A and yeah I th- I think that's I think that's why we're all here yeah did you when you were in high school did you have to read To Killing Mockingbird? Ooh, 
that's uh, ancient history. <laughs> Let me get into my DeLorean and try to right. try to remember. But the it sounds like you don't have a memory of it. <laughs> I actually I do. I, I I read To Kill a Mockingbird. I I, I do not press me on the details, but mm-hmm. I I right. do remember reading it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I didn't actually read for pleasure until I was like seventeen years old. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I can I can agree to that. Yeah, I I, I like reading equaled somebody telling me what to do <laughs> right yeah until i started reading garbage which uh-huh. i loved like stephen king and right. D- dean Koontz uh, oh and yeah like, yeah mm-hmm. and that sort of you know you get sick of that after a while and, and move on naturally but mm-hmm. like it the the reading that i did before as i was a senior in high school i i remember having done it mm-hmm. i remember having sporadically enjoyed it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah yeah, no, no, no. When you when you, men, you mentioned reading garbage, I'm thinking about Mad Magazine. Yeah, <laughs> I was reading that when I was a kid, yeah. right. and cracked and you know, all of that stuff. Um, but I did read uh, like there was some like one um, like um, what is it um, the the mysteries like um, uh, Nancy Her- Drew Hardy like, Boys like uh, Encyclopedia Holmes? Brown. Yeah, uh, choose your adventure that yeah, sort sure. of stuff. Uh, um, uh-huh. So it wasn't really substantive stuff until I got much much older mm-hmm. and needed to feed my mind and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get into an origin story, Mike Tuton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, where were you born and raised? Born and raised Orange County, California, San Clemente, very southern tip. It was oh. when I was born and raised there. It was a um, it's a lot of old people. There were a lot. It since it was the northern half of the. Uh, Camp Pendleton. Mm-hmm. It was the families of men who were uh, uh, officers. So mm-hmm. it was like um, it was like a military or yeah. Okay. It's 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 the northern border of Camp Pendleton. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was the 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 you know the grunts lived down by Oceanside, and mm-hmm. all the officers lived in the north end. Mm-hmm. So yeah. their families, a lot of them, lived in San Clemente. So I grew up with a lot of uh, children of servicemen, and uh, there was a lot of old people, a lot. Of, very big immigrant community but what was interesting about San Clemente at the time in the 80s is that I didn't know a single person whose parents single teacher fireman cop mailman anyone who was from there so oh, it, was, oh. it was a little like growing up in a bus station it was like <laughs> nobody from my neighborhood was yeah. from San Clemente like right it was one of these just Orange County it was a suburb it was yeah. like this right. very American suburban sort of like I don't know. Every every man a king. Your yard is your right. You know, and yeah. it was it was just a. And you don't even know it's weird till you leave and you yeah. come to a real city. I'm thinking of the movie Brazil. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of what it felt like, to be honest. Is <laughs> not great. I mean, it, I I didn't enjoy it very much, even mm-hmm. though it was like people go there and they're like, "Oh, this is paradise." You have beaches and right. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, know, I thought it was near the water. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's it's. All the famous people, with the exception of Rian Johnson, who was the the famous movie director, mm-hmm. uh, all the famous people from there are either volleyball players or surfers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and it was the home of the Western White House, uh, right. which was where Nixon. Nixon, yeah, yep. Nixon was. Oh wow! Uh, he oh, yeah. had yep, yep. he had his sort of like chill suite there at Cotton's Point at the southern end of town. Mm. And it was it was an interesting place to grow up. By the time I was fifteen, I was like a straight A kid. By the time I was fifteen, I was done. I was mm-hmm. just like it was. I don't know. I, it it was kind of stifling in that right. way that nobody's yeah. from there. Everyone left. Yeah. The people who didn't leave were mm. angry. Mm. You know, it was just a, yes, kind of a. And so I knew at a certain point, like I just uh, you gotta go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Siblings. Yeah, I got an older brother. He. um 
he lives in San Diego. He's he's raising two awesome kids. Uh, great dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun watching. It's yeah. fun watching them grow. Right, right. It's yeah. really. It's just really. I don't know. It's, it's really fun watching them grow, and they're really really good kids. Mm-hmm. So I, they're coming up for Christmas. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Well, as the fun uncle, I've got yeah. a bunch of toys right there that I bought for my nephews. Uh-huh. Who apparently, are car enthusiasts, and yeah. so they get to put these. Things. They're like Lego, but they're not Lego, and uh-huh. so they can construct these things. Yeah. So that's cool. They're more f- excited to see my dog, to be very honest, <laughs> than to see me. They're they're at that age. I don't know how yeah. the dog feels about that, but <laughs> he does like being touched. Yeah. He, yeah. Now you work in the ad agency. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like you, I mean, did theater bite you in when you were young or no. did it happen much, much later? So I, I, I was in advertising for 20 years. Um, I went to grad school for it. I, I, well, I started in turn of the century, uh-huh. <laughs> which is, I just realized, I'm talking about my own life. The turn mm-hmm. in the turn of the millennium. Right, yeah. right. I, I was I was a suit. I don't know if you guys saw Mad Men. Sure, sure of course. Yeah. So Don Draper guys, yeah. I, I was not a Don Draper guy. I was a Pete. I was like a business guy. I was a suit. I was an account executive. Gotcha. And all of the creatives were like going out to lunch for as long as they wanted and mm. their work was tied to what they could bring to the meeting. It didn't matter how they worked, how they dressed. They you know, on weeks they didn't work, they'd be mm. at the movies all day. It yeah. was like Oh, I think I chose wrong. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so I went to I went to grad school. I switched career paths to be a creative. Uh it was fulfilling. I was I was like somewhat successful in it. I'm I'm still in it. Mm-hmm. Um and somewhere along the line though, I was like I just want need to write something that doesn't ladder up to delicious new sharp cheddar or right, like yeah. or these yeah, are yeah. the best rates I, but i was going to ask you because when i think of ads it's either print ads yeah. or their commercials like yeah. 30 seconds or 15 seconds or even you know with youtube yeah. five seconds yeah yeah <laughs> but so what what type of an ad guy were you or are you so i i am a generalist i i started in oh three and I sort of grew up in the world you first described, yeah. where it was print ads and TV. Yeah. And there was funny TV, and there was interesting TV, and there was great headlines, and there was long copy. And because when I started reading when I was 18, I really, I read a lot mm-hmm. in the next seven years. I just, mm-hmm. that's all, I, I'm a huge reader. And, mm-hmm. I, I, and it really helped inform my writing. Mm-hmm. And... Right at about that time, the internet broke everything, mm-hmm. and it was like all of a sudden I'm making ads that need to be a, a display ad or a, or a, or a 20 minute online branded video. Right, uh-huh. and so that really mm-hmm. reinforced what I needed to do as an ad creative is come up with an idea mm-hmm. that can then demonstrate itself in any of those media. Sure, yeah, and and that was that was that then honed my craft in that way like come up with a bigger idea that could express itself in any way mm-hmm. um and so that's that's still what i do today uh for yeah. money and but again at a certain point i, w- I started writing uh, i started writing films i started writing screenplays mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you're writing screenplays in seattle and san francisco where i, I moved here in in 2007 mm-hmm. you're just kicking pdfs into the abyss 
that's right. Like, yeah, right. unless you're yeah. making films, yeah. it's right. just yeah, yeah. like I'm writing PDFs by myself, sharing yeah. them with my friends, yeah. berating them till they read them, and right. then kicking them into like <laughs> and the, they just collect dust. Yeah, yeah, or the awards show industrial complex, or like mm-hmm. so you get little attaboys from here and there, but nothing becomes right. real. Sure. <clears throat> and in 27, 2016, mm-hmm. I was working at an ad agency in Sausalito. And a woman who worked there knew that I was into screenwriting and expressing myself creatively beyond mm-hmm. advertising. And she was a member of Crowded Fire. She was like uh, a, hey. a subscriber. Uh-huh. And she was like, hey, I, I got invited to the development of this piece. They invite in members of the community who touch sort of the themes of that piece. So this mm-hmm. piece was took place in a marketing department, um, had farmers and some other things. And so they tried to invite people from those communities mm-hmm. into the development process, right. which was, I, you know, I don't know how much I actually got my, or any of our comments guided the mm-hmm. uh, creation of the, of the piece. Uh, it was fantastic marketing for the piece because mm-hmm. everyone who went, went at least once. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. it was like this room had 20 people in it. They had asked us what our opinions were. All mm-hmm. of a sudden we're listening to every word, totally invested. And it was like a focus group. So it, yeah. was, a, it was a situation that I was intimately aware, uh, you know, familiar with. But what was unexpected was I was in the room with the actors. I remember who the actors were. Mm-hmm. And I was there with the playwright, and I was there with Mina Marita, who was the director right. and the artistic, artistic director, obviously. Director, yeah. yeah. And I watched as they were taking this script and being like, this is a hilarious line, but this line undermines it. Can we do this? And mm-hmm. the playwright was there yeah. giving feedback. You're seeing how the sausage time. is being made. And I'd never been in that room before, mm-hmm. and I'd realized in that process, I was like in the uh, old john lennon version of turned on not, not like uh-huh. sexually aroused but mm-hmm. like you're like oh my god like a light switch went on yeah it's like yeah. this is the thing i've been chasing this whole time even going into advertising even trying to write screenplays and here are all these people by themselves like or, or right. not by themselves they're mm-hmm. together in this room yeah. working mm-hmm. together trying to be like, oh this emotional gut punch needs to land to make this thing later work and right when you do this or move there or do that, mm-hmm. and I was just fucking like, oh my god, this mm-hmm. is this is where I want to be. Yeah. And it was um, it was a fantastic piece too. It was it was uh, the uh, the writer Christopher Chen. He's very good at like dissecting systems, mm-hmm. and even though he's from the sort of MFA industrial complex. I have a lot of respect for the and and Patricia too. I have a lot of respect for their ability to do research, mm-hmm. see how a system works, and plop you in the middle of it. Yeah, and, and that's what hit it. That piece was called "A Tale of Autumn." It was sort of ex- exploring how a corporation might end up killing people. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. during a Chipotle thing when people right. were dying of E. coli. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it was sort of like the chain of of decisions that mm-hmm. went from like. This greedy decision mm-hmm. led to this selfish decision, yeah. led to this sort of like ass covering decision, right. which led to a death. At no point did anyone do anything evil. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But the playwright and the director, and they, they were so dedicated to exploring this theme, mm-hmm. figuring this out, and I was just like hooked. I was just hooked. <laughs> yeah, just as you, I was typing in because it reminds me of, there's a play called Three Hotels by John Robin Bates. Oh, yeah, it's a great play. And do you know about this play? It's three a fantastic monologues. play. <laughs> yeah, it's basically three monologues, only two people on on stage, two characters, a husband and a wife. 
the husband works for, I think it's Nabisco. And he's Nabisco executive. Or Nestle. Uh, Nes- it is Nestle. Nestle. Thank because you. Because it's the um, the baby uh, formula. They're, baby yes, for- they're selling baby formulas yeah. in Africa <clears throat> without realizing that the water is not good in Africa or certain parts of Africa and right. the babies are dying. Yeah. Yet they're like, hey, profit, profit, profit. Mm-hmm. Let's make it and we'll, we'll, we'll oh, worse explain than away. Profit, humanitarian. Because they weren't, it wasn't like the Africans were paying for this. This was all kinds of non-profits. Governments. Paying and, and governments paying for this product, yeah, disseminating it to the community and basically just putting poison into right. the community. And there are monologues where he's talking to the United Nations, explaining as a representative of the company, well, we can explain why this happened and why that happened, right? To try to get them to allow them to continue to sell, you know, yeah, yeah. and you know, the play deals with his humanity, it's as if he's having a transformation in real time yeah. justifying why he does until he can't justify it anymore and also his child dies he has a right, son right. because he's a high profile executive he gets to travel everywhere he travels to Brazil on a vacation with his wife and a bunch of young thugs in Brazil kill his son because the son has yeah, a the street right a brand you know a brand new watch which is like I don't know a thousand dollars or so mm-hmm. it's as if this is you know this is the price you pay the proverbial price you pay right for doing what you do but getting back to your point yeah uh, you have plays like Patricia Milton and and the other player that you mentioned taking these heady cerebral corporate you know ideas breaking it down and getting into the humanity of it yeah that's the talent. And yeah. that's like uh, my friend Jed was quoting Jez Butterworth when he mm-hmm. was like, you can write with a lot of heat, but where's the light? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like mm-hmm. if you want to discuss or talk about a heady subject or whatever, you mm-hmm. have to hook it into a human story mm-hmm. that anyone can mm-hmm. can feel. Yeah. yeah. And that's and I'm I'm learning slower than I would like, but mm. I'm learning that that's that's the hard part. Yeah. That, and, and you know what's fascinating because you coming from the ad agency, it's and it's yeah. funny because immediately coming out of NYU, I worked for Forbes magazine. And my boss was the um the PR guy. So basically he would put out press releases basically saying, you know, in not so many words how wonderful this magazine is you know, or how wonderful this episode is, you know, mm-hmm. because we're talking about this and that and the other, and they always talk about the Forbes 100 and how we're so much better than Fortune magazine, and, right? And it just gets very, very assembly line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This week's this ep- this magazine, you know, is better, or this week right. we're talking about this, and it could be very, really, just of the mill. And I imagine you felt that way, or or you know, the, the ad agency is that way, where. You don't get into the serious humanity of whatever. You just sell a product, you know, buy our cupcakes. The thing that that I liked about it that I still like about it is Mm -hmm. in order to sell something, you have to say something original, whether it's funny or it's poignant or whether – whether you go into the funny bone, the tear duct, or the or whatever, mm-hmm. it it has to be something somebody mm-hmm. hasn't heard before. Yeah. The problem is, after doing it for twenty years, you, my motivation in my twenties is just to get the loser rocket off the loser platform sure. and live a life as a human adult and be able to pay for myself. Right. 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 And then you know a career sort of builds on itself, and you just want to sustain that. But then at a certain point, it's like. The uptake of all of this originality is to, to your point, mm-hmm. you know, move units. Right. And it, it, that in and of itself, you know, has its own issues. But it was really the problem is the 
there's stories, there's palettes, there's colors you can't use. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. there's things that you can't talk about. To your point, you can put a lot of heat. You can put a lot of heat into an ad. You can make it really funny. You mm-hmm. can make you can make something really st- stand out in culture. Yeah. But there's not ever going to be much light. You can't talk about... There's so many things that no client will ever pay you to be able to talk about. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about real human stories. You can't... Right. There's a part in, in the end of, of our disruption where, uh, uh, you know, Kamiri talks about how online ads are tracking her. And, and oh, right. Yeah, her. yeah. Yeah, it's very poignant. And there's 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 just colors on the palette that you can you are never allowed to use in yeah. advertising and mm-hmm. it was just like well I, if if i if i'm going to use this time that i have on earth yeah right and i'm going to try to do something mm-hmm. i i got to I got to try. I got to mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I was mentioning I, I was thinking about the cynicalness. I mean, when I I I cringe when I see some of these advertisements that I see either on television yeah. or even you know, when I watch YouTube and mm-hmm. it's like thrusted, you know, five, ten second ad where even the ad knows that it's annoying. Like uh-huh. prog- I saw a progressive ad and Flo is like, I know I'm annoying. Yeah. That's okay. Right. I yeah. want you to right. hear progressive, progressive, progressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. There are certain things that, you know, you're not paid. Hey, we're not paid. You're not paid to talk about this or yeah. it may be in the back of your mind, but this is what you're paid to do. Yeah. Why haven't you, because you could have become cynical. You could have said, yes, you're paying me. You're paying me good. You're, wait, That's you're fine. saying he's not cynical? I'm a little cynical. I, I you know, you know, I, it's, you know, it's the truth. And I, and I hate to get, say this, but like, mm-hmm. if I had had a kid or two kids and a mortgage and a life that I had to pay for and time that I didn't have to put towards something else, mm-hmm. I'm sure that I would have just put my head down and done that because that's what you have to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, because of just how life turned out, it was like, well. Children have not been part of the plan so far. I have this life that I have to take care of. I'm a person who has ideas. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do with this? Right. Yeah. Do yeah. I do do I dedicate my life to just making? A lot of people do. I'm not saying there's mm-hmm. those people are bad or wrong, but mm-hmm. for me, I was like, I don't know, just like making money and consuming culture wasn't enough. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like you want to make something. You want right. to put yourself out yeah. there, and yeah. that's that's kind of and dude writing. There, I have lots of friends who try to do that through writing screenplays, but like again, kicking PDFs out into the out into the world, just I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, right. and, not a, I, and the theater is you guys. It's like this community of people actually making real <laughs> shit in the world, telling yeah. new stories. And I was like, well, this is here it is yeah mm-hmm. now you mentioned cutting ball I'm still curious as to how cutting ball uh, got involved fire. with I'm sorry crowded, crowded fire yeah, I get yeah. those two mixed up all the time yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still don't know how crowded fire got involved with the at the agency um, oh no 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 it was just a woman that was at the agency was a, a, a subscriber, subscriber gotcha. at, at, at crowded fire and she had a ticket or a, a invite to uh-huh. this to this I get I would call it a, a focus group but I'm sure there was a, a, better, a development reading, a development reading probably, yeah. yeah oh I see I see okay cool now did you get involved with with uh, crowded fire crowded fire I mean I I became a subscriber but i didn't <laughs> yeah I, I i didn't you know i wasn't sure how to inter like yeah like i think a lot of people get into theater by becoming stage managers sure. or doing mm-hmm. something with their time which yeah. i didn't have because i had at the time of career yeah so i i kind of entered through the writer's portal uh take playground uh well at first it was through uh um 
uh, an incredible playwright named Kate Ryan. She oh. she uh, she's at ACT, I believe. Mm, mm-hmm. And then I went over to the rep and met Gary. Yeah, nice. And that changed everything. Yeah, she, Gary, uh, you know, kind of. I like thinking that Gary liked my writing. I think Gary liked the enthusiasm with which I read other people's plays mm-hmm. <laughs> because that matters <laughs> in yeah. writers' groups. Sure, sure. And you know, he's 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 taken me on. I I think is is. Uh, a project and I've and I've been just writing my ass off through that experience and writing full length plays mm-hmm. I discovered Playground mm-hmm. um, through some of my core group like like Neil Harkins mm-hmm. like like Homera Hem- Elder like Dennis Eds like Ipshita Furtado they yeah. we are all together as this group of people taking classes trying to get trying to get off the launch pad yeah and what I liked about that was you're adults You're not kids. You're not young adults going, gosh, what do I do next? You're people who have lives going, I want, like you've been saying, I want to do something more. How do I do this? And then not satisfied with just, oh, I took that class. Now I finished that class. Now I've got my little play. You guys weren't satisfied with that. You're like, no, I'm ready to, to, what's the next step? What's the next stage of this? I've never thought about it like that. But I think a thing that 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 first group of writers that I bonded so well with um i think ambition and and real world experience outside of theater yeah was the thing that really bonded us and mm-hmm. and motivated us and in a weird way gave us stories that other people don't have to tell the experiences mm-hmm. right. that i've seen the first play privilege that i wrote that got me into playground mm-hmm. um it was about how privilege plays a role in the layer between management and ownership of companies, yeah. which I'd never seen before. People always think of privilege as playing a role in when you get your first job or you know, mm-hmm. you know, know, how to get my foot in the door stories, which right, is the right. world is filled with. But I, what I experienced was incredibly talented, focused, professional, successful people hitting this bump 10, 15 years into their career yeah. and realizing, oh, it's the it's this patine of privilege, this ability to speak to people mm-hmm. fearlessly that is keeping them from going from management to ownership, right. from getting equity, from becoming a partner. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a play about that. Right. And it was it was successful in a couple festivals and, and it got me in It won Best of a Playwright Center for San Francisco. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, actually, Neil and I tied for second on that, and the person who won it was the organizer. Right. Yes, <laughs> I, I know. Neil was very not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Neil talking about that. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you got to prestige. I mean, and and yeah. really, your first time writing Privilege was your first play. Is that yeah. correct? Privilege was my first was my first play, and mm-hmm. that was that that third party validation. I, I, I you can't undersell right. it. Yeah, it was like, can't. oh, okay, somebody else told me I'm good. Like my mom always told me I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's difficult because usually it takes a process to write. You know, your first play. Like I've written a bunch of you know one acts and yeah. plays that I thought were good, but yeah. you know it was really really crappy until I had to you know really get something that someone will actually say, okay, yes, yeah, so it's good enough that we're going to produce. It. We're going to put some money behind it. Yeah. And you did it in your first play, so yeah. that's awesome. That yeah. was very lucky. That yeah. was that was, um, and that was again that was having a group of people who would read it and give me feedback. That was having seen that in my real life you know yeah it is definitely a joy it is definitely a side of this process that is not the career side 
it's the you're committed to this and you're committed to exploring and learning. Um, and I love those. I don't know a lot of these folks, but there are a few folks that have managed to keep that going over the years. Mm. And it's got to be really satisfying when one of your people steps up and suddenly, you know, you call up to the big game. <laughs> and But they don't forget where they came from. Yeah. And they keep those connections. You're still asking people to read their stuff. I, I yeah. wanted to ask you guys about that. I'm sure you've seen that happen in San Francisco where actors or playwrights their their star rises i just i wanted to hear those stories well as a go ahead go ahead no 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 i, w- I was just gonna say i should let let you go forward but i mean the people that we've had on usually it's just a grind i mean yeah. you know pat yeah. milton is you know yeah. is, she is a definite rising star i mean there are theater companies that just latch on to her right. because they loved her writing she's so good and yeah. you know she is very very good yeah. and people are looking for original material original material that really tells a story that isn't being told yeah. especially in television and in movies so so she's I think it's just her, all about all about the grind. She's on her fifteenth. I asked her. I was like, "What what number? What number premiere is this?" Obviously, uh-huh. everyone anyone listening yeah. to this knows that Central Works is the new play theater. So yeah. obviously, yeah, this yeah. is a world premiere. This is number seventy two. And I asked her. I was like, "What?" I knew she had bamboozled. I know right. she's got the Victorian Ladies the Victorian Detective Ladies, Collective. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's got IP at this point, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, what number is this for you? She goes, this is my 15th world premiere. Yeah. And I was like, God damn, good for you. I was like mm-hmm. kind of proud just to be part of it. it was, yeah. yeah, she's on the grind. It's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. So I know as a young actor coming into the Bay Area scene, I started to get to know names and started to see who was where and what was going on. And the first thing I noticed, well, first thing you notice is what names keep popping up. The next thing you notice is who rises. Mm. And you start to get an opinion about it. You know, oh, he? Well, wait a minute. Why not me? Why is he getting it? Why Why am I hearing Stacy Ross everywhere I go? Why is that happening? And after a while, you start to recognize that it's a combination of things. It's complex and there are going to be people, there will always be people in all fields who will be that meteor, that you know, that shooting star. They will rise, and maybe they've got something else going on, and that's great. Or maybe, like, I, it was a few years ago, I went to somebody's birthday party, and, uh, you know, like, 50th or something birthday party, and an actor I hadn't seen in over a decade was there. And I was so excited, and I went over and started chatting with him, and I asked him if he was doing any projects, and he's like, oh, no, I haven't been acting for for many years now and I was like wait you were at the time that I knew him considered to be one of the rising stars one of the best young actors in the Bay Area scene and he was I remembered seeing him in a show we did a show together and I remembered maybe a season or two later seeing him in something and just being like okay he is incredible he is really good those people are out there and that happens but then the other side of it is that if this defines who you are and you get that, we used to call it flavor of the month. Hmm. If you're the flavor of the month, well, what happens two seasons from now when you're, you know, like chewing gum and you're no longer the flavor <laughs> yeah. of the month? Um, what are you doing? What do you want to be doing? Are you satisfied? And those are the people that have become intriguing to me. I run into those folks all the time and I'm excited by it. I still see the new names and the new faces that yeah. rise up and. And I'm excited about that. Uh, Kimberly Ridgway is what? I just I pulled her up. <laughs> Kimberly Ridgway is somebody I met doing box office for mm-hmm. a little theater company. 
And then I heard that they'd made her like the managing director or something. And I was like, oh, okay, so that means you're going to be on admin side. Hmm. But talking to her, I knew she was a theater artist. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, meanwhile, she's hustling here and hustling there. And now she's just working almost nonstop. And she has now the, uh, been selected as the arts leadership resident um, at Central Works. Very cool. And uh, I tell you, Kimberly Ridgeway, I mean, I was on stage with her. I've mm-hmm. read some of her plays. Mm-hmm. She is an excellent playwright. She's an excellent director. She's an excellent actress. Yeah. That is Hustle City. I That's mean, great. that is someone, and I really think to answer your question, how do you rise to the top? I mean, you know, there are playwrights who just, you know, they just play. And I know playwrights who write plays and they don't rise to the top. Right. And they're very frustrated. And they're like, hey, I've got some good material here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, ha- we've actually had some. I'm not going to mention their names yeah, yeah, here yeah. on the podcast. And in the back of my mind, I say, hey, listen, just because you wrote something doesn't mean that people are just going to gravitate. I mean, right. you've got to, I call it earn, you know, you got to earn your keep, I guess. You have to. Sometimes you have to be a stage manager. You have to have to work the front office and but I think collaborate. I, I think it's more complicated than that because I can think of playwrights, and we've had some mm-hmm. on the on the podcast, um, who hit some bump in the road and mm-hmm. their life takes them in another direction. Well, sure. Or they were connected to some little theater company and either the company's gone or the connection is gone and they're left sort of stranded. What do mm-hmm. you do next? And it's been exciting to watch them. They keep doing their craft. They keep, I know one playwright who actually got a big production, um, you know, was featured in American Theater Magazine. Mm. It was wonderful. Suddenly he was working with a group of seniors. There's a seniors theater here, Stagebridge in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And he was suddenly working with them and working with helping them develop some basic writing skills. And... That's satisfying. Yeah. If you yeah. don't define yourself as, oh, I'm just this. If you say, right now, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. It's helping to pay the bills, but it's also keeping my juice. Because that was, I didn't want to be a teacher. Um, when I was, you know, a kid, I thought maybe I would be a teacher. When I started to move up in the theater world, I realized that the teachers were the people who were not on stage, were not doing the work. And I went, well, hell, I don't want to do that. So as I got out as my career, I said, I'm not going to do that. And then I got to the point where I needed money. And so I started taking on those positions. Well, at first I'm there for money, but I'm like, I can't come in here resentful. I can't come in here with an attitude. So what am I going to do? I'm going to practice my craft. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the best I can to practice my craft in this environment. That's what I've got to give. And at that point, it's not about making the next great playwright or the next great actor. It's about making sure that you really give this person what you can give them and help them and encourage them so they can do what they need to do next. It's a very human place. And I found that suddenly when I went back to directing, my directing was way better because instead of coming in with this capital A artist and I have to make this work and that's what it's about, I came in with a, oh, you're in the show and you're in the show and and we've only got this. This is what yeah. we got to work yeah, with. Yeah, you know your parts. You know the parts of the, you know the people who are here I, I, and you can fit those I've seen you do that, and, by and, the way. And, and to take care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love that we are now in this era where women are getting to rise up. So you're a mother? Well, we're going to set rehearsals so that we can work around your schedule. Or we're going to set it up so that, not the stage manager, but somebody will be here so that your kid can be here and somebody will keep an eye on them. And when you're not on stage, you can check in. You know, all these support systems. And what that means is that actress Mm -hmm. gets on stage and gives you 
everything she's got because she's not taking it away from her family. Yeah. Her family is there. That person who needs to step away. Mm-hmm. I got to have the most human experience last summer when I got COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of a show. That should be just that should just killed me. That should have killed my career. And instead, I after two weeks, I finally tested negative, and I let them know I tested negative, and they said, well, so you'll be coming back, right? And I went, wow, I didn't know that was an option. I'm yeah. so happy. Humanity. So I don't think, I think people are going to have their time when they rise up and they do that, but the best thing I ever learned about mental health, and I know I'm going on and on, but it's okay. the best thing I learned about mental health was, it's easy to look at the people who have a drug problem or an abuse problem or whatever and that tears them down. The people who in some way fail. Mm. What we forget is if you aren't prepared for success and success hits and if you think about it, you can think of all those stories too. So-and-so got this and, you know, Matthew Perry. I was just going to say, great example. so depressing. 24 years old, you get the role of a lifetime. Unfortunately, you're 24 years old and seven years later, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Well, you're going to struggle with addiction. Yeah. You know what I was also thinking? The death. This gets into sports because I was youth yeah. sports, and of course, you know, you wrote Boogie Cousins, so you're a sports fan as well. Bobby Knight passed away, I think, two oh, years right. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was fascinating how people are reacting, and this ties into your directing style because yes. you are very good towards people, and people respect that, and they give you more mm-hmm. because you respect the fact that there's a woman who. You know, like we we are production foreman in Paris. You know, Priya had her child, and the child, you know, right. had a lot of energy, and so we made room to make sure that she yeah. could take care of her child, or we yeah take care of her child. Yep, we're going to make Much sure we have an thing. extra person in the room. The word, exactly. the word for word production, where you took uh, home from Saunders to Paris. Is Me. that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. 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 I wrote well, a piece called did, Foreman in Paris. Oh, we did Regis play Foreman in Paris, and we had one we had actress. two mothers. Yeah, we had two, that's right, <sighs> Helena. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Although she had not. No, that's right. She did. She she had. Did she, okay. She had a child. Okay. I think mind. she had a child, but she also was pregnant. Yeah, that's right. She was and getting ready to have another child. So we actually, and I, you know, if if she feels like we're saying too much about this, I will. I will apologize to her mm-hmm. personally. But and one day she had a hard time in rehearsal. She couldn't stay focused, and we kind of said, "Well, what's going on?" And just the question, she opened up this and it's like okay everybody take five and i had there was a woman oh no our producer corinne i said could you you know just go and give her some attention whatever she needs yeah and then we i talked with everybody else and then i came to find out what was going on and we found out yeah she's just it wasn't about us or the show which is the weird artist thing my project my piece of art and she was surrounded by men she was surrounded by a bunch of a bunch of of, of men, men. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So to be able to to recognize that, make space for it, yeah. and then we ended up having to cancel the rest of the rehearsal because I was like, "This needs time," mm-hmm. and there's nothing else I want to try and do. And we're in basically in one room. She was like on the other side of a half wall. I'm like, I don't want to hear want her to hear us trying to work. Right. If she's got a moment, I want to go ahead and take. We've got the space. <laughs> Exactly. Take the time and deal with this. And she came back so great. Suddenly, there was, and I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, maybe we're just going to be gentle with her the rest of the time. Uh-uh, no, she came back ready to work. And I was like, yay. Yeah. I, I watched that light touch in, in action. 
Uh, Did you? Yeah. When he was, uh, he played Lynn. Lynn is fine in Boogie Cousins mm-hmm. uh, in the mm-hmm. in the reading with mm-hmm. and with Tanika. Yeah, Baptiste. Yeah. Tanika Baptiste. Wow, small yeah. world, dude. She is so. And I another one who's rising up. Two people with just the lightest touch, mm-hmm. and then one actor, the guy who played Boogie, uh, James Small. James, James yeah. Small Jr. Yeah, he's a he's a drummer. For drummer. Fantastic Negrito. Okay. And he also happens to be like six eight. Gotcha. Yeah, so it was amazing, and yeah. and and and, a, and an actor, but an up and coming actor. Yeah, right. So to watch Norman and Tanika work together with this young actor and a and a very green playwright, with just the lightest touch, mm-hmm. be able to put it up, put it on its feet in two hours yeah. was like, oh man, this yeah. Is, there's yeah. No, I was, I was just mentioning because. Bobby Knight, you know, he felt like, hey, I'm going to crack the whip and yeah, right. get my guys to yeah. perform. God damn it. You're going to do it uh-huh. or else I'm going right. to throw a chair. But then you have a guy like Dennis Green, you know, the former uh, late head coach of the Vikings. Black coach, you know, had a hard time getting into the NFL, mm-hmm. took a Minnesota Vikings team to 15 and one. Yep. It didn't raise his voice. Mm. Ah. You don't, you know, there are many ways of directing and Mm -hmm. getting people, you know, of course you're driven. Of course you want things to have done. You have an objective, but be kind to people and know that people are, you know, while working through their things, they want the same thing too. That's why they signed up to do the project, but be attentive. Yeah. Well, so to me with theater, I want to see that work. Because uh, another company that you mentioned earlier, like I, I look at them side eye all the time because at least the original artistic director really had an attitude of, I have an MFA and I understand all this and, oh, you people don't really understand it, but I can puppet you. I can make you do what I want. I mm. talked to more than one cast where I'm saying, oh, this moment in the play, or this, I'm curious about this because it didn't really make sense to me. And the actors would look at me just blank-eyed because there'd been no discussion. There'd been no attempt. So after a while, I'd actually go back to this guy when he was directing and say, I got questions about this. It's a little confusing in this moment. Is this intentional or is something else going on here? And his answer was a gleeful, yeah. I was like, so you think you're getting over on me? You think you're getting over on the audience? You're showing off your brilliance by putting us down, by making us feel stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, okay, good. I don't need this experience, actually. Mm-hmm. I need to not come back to your theater. Yeah. So I don't want people making theater that way. I want that cre- creative and safe environment. I want the encouragement to go there. And God, I want the strong opinions and the strong vision. But you can always be respectful. You can always find a way to, to keep it human. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask, what is it like? Because this is your first time being on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What has that experience been like? It's been good. I, I, ha- I have a little bit of experience acting. I, I acted in a few short films that were all branded. It was all like uh-huh. like we made a short film for a snowboard company, made a short film for uh, an MP3 player that Dell tried to make that was obsolete <laughs> as soon as it hit the, hit the shelves because Apple, Apple Apple had the shuffle and it was a shuffle killer. But then Apple came out with a Nano before that Dell right. could even match. Yeah. But it was um, you know I'd, I'd acted in some of my own ads, mm-hmm. some of my own. Uh, long form content and stuff but I to your point I've never been on stage never mm-hmm. hit the boards never never really how do I put this it, it was never really a, a dream to do that my dream is to be a playwright yeah mm-hmm. and 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 through the process of working in in, in Gary's um, 
in his writer's workshop yeah. that Patricia's in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's the she's the honcho there. Right. Um, I get to read other people's pieces and watch people better than me and more experienced than me develop it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, I mean. Right. That's worth it. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's so worth it. And and I was I had the good luck of being able to read Extifer as she was developing the piece. Mm-hmm. So I think my specific brand of like um, narcissistic dipshit kind of just imprinted on her, and mm-hmm. she was like, <laughs> she was like <laughs> I, I wondered about that, and I asked her. I asked her. <laughs> yeah. And she, and I I I don't I don't know exactly what the process was in casting me. They did ask me to. Um, they did ask me to try out for it. Sure. I, I went in. They they already had Chelsea because she's Chelsea Beers, who yeah. plays who plays. Camille That's Lake one of her favorite actors. She's been in all all of our pre- prodigious uh, plays. I, I've mm-hmm. seen her almost every night. Mm-hmm. Save the play. Yeah. Pick apparently, up someone else. Apparently, else's they line. were having some issues last night, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pick up a line. Yeah. Realize somebody missed something. She yeah. mentions it. She, I mean, having people like that around mm-hmm. and Luell, Luell is just really awesome. Every time. Um, I, I unfortunately don't get to share the, the stage with Jan as much as I'd like. I think mm-hmm. we have like eight lines, back mm-hmm. and forth <laughs> but it, 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 it's, um, it's been just a dream and, and and to do it and to learn it and to see the process, it puts me back in that room at crowded fire. And as an actor, it was boy, a real eye eye opener about what y'all go through. Mm. I, I, and it gives me new respect as a playwright mm-hmm. uh, about things like paying attention to, you know, my, my play is by and large are like chunks of dialogue where people are monologuing at each other. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've learned through one of the many things I've learned from Patricia is just her ability to keep things snappy and going and yeah. keep interest in how to do that. Yeah. But the process of being an actor has been, um, yeah, an eye opener. That first month of rehearsals, the amount of work and time, and dedication just to get the just to get the lines and the grooves right yeah well the grooves because that's you know it's a nice script i like the script Mm. um i know gary's direction and i actually it's so funny i talked to somebody who's familiar with central works stuff as well and i was saying i feel like i saw some new some different nuances from this and i think it's partly because of the talent but knowing that you were coming to it fresh, I was like, so is that going to be because there's the material and because of Gary? But there were so many beats where you were just so clearly, you know, we see every tick. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there were so many beats where you would take the moment or you would find some way to be like following what was going on, but sort of ramping up to the next thing. Um, it was just exciting to watch. Man, I, yeah. I want so badly to take credit for that. And I, <laughs> it would well, I mean, be such you, a lie. But like. I mean, you, but you can, and I understand what you're saying. You know, there's this direction and yeah. there's, you know, what you're getting from the other actors. But really, you should take credit for, and I agree with Norman. I mean, what I saw, because usually we've seen actors, you know, they take a script where, you know, there's a lot of lines mm-hmm. and, you know, you are playing an authority figure and you fit into this cliche. Right. And you don't really do that. I mean, you are, there's an intensity that you have when you're on stage because as Extifer, you know, you're like the Steve Jobs. You're mm-hmm. the Mark Zuckerberg. You're like, hey, I've got things that we need to be done and translating that into beats is like, hey, listen, there's an objective for this scene. I need yeah. to get you 
you know, Luell mm-hmm. or you, yeah. um, you know, the actress to, you know, to get on board with yeah, what I'm doing. Right, right, right. And if they, if it works, that's great. If it doesn't, then that triggers another emotion. Yeah. And so it, the more intense you are with trying to get what you want, mm-hmm. you know, the more the audience is locked into you because they're locked into your intensity. Well, what I, makes the character work is the adjustments. Um, to, I want to get this from you. I'm not getting what I want. Instant adjustment. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm hey, loving this. I'm going to try it. Well, it's, I wanted to ask you guys about this. I think it's structurally so interesting what Patricia did. Yeah. Extifer, and I know every actor thinks their character is the main character, but you should. In this piece, mm-hmm. in every scene that I'm in, I'm the one trying to get something done, failing, people mm-hmm. putting sticks in my spokes, right. me flying off the bike and landing on another one and trying something else. Right. And I feel like as a playwright, usually that process is used to gain from the audience sympathy for that character sure. that's usually the main character that's the yeah. protagonist they're yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to do stuff they're mm-hmm. never you're mm-hmm. luke skywalkering you're never quite getting it right and and yeah, meanwhile you, the bad the guy off the farm yeah, yeah <laughs> right. meanwhile the bad guy blows up alderaan on, sure. on his first sure. try and right. barely that's, does anything walks quietly walks slowly <laughs> right mm-hmm. and speaks briefly and yeah. so in this piece extifer is the one who's constantly selling other people and trying to bring them in mm-hmm. the fold and yeah. usually that's who gets the sympathy from the audience yeah. right and so I, I just thought it was fascinating how patricia did that for the what, quote unquote bad antagonist guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah when i when i saw the play um it reminded me so much of because there's been a trend in the late aughts huh. The angry white guy, uh-huh. you know, the Walter Whites, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the if you saw the shield, you know, Vic Mackey sure. or Boardwalk Empire or, yeah. you know, there's a guy who has done everything that he needed to do. And he's supposed to get the idyllic house and the wife and the kids and, you know, society's supposed to look at him. Hey, I'm a middle aged white guy with a suit. Of course, I'm the president and all yeah. that stuff. And people right. will respect me. Yeah. And you don't necessarily get it or you're running into issues. You develop a product and the product is malfunctioning. Yeah. You're the Steve Jobs and the Macintosh isn't working in. Yeah. We've got Macworld in three days. Mm-hmm. You assholes, get it done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've, 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 I have the good luck of having been given the morphology of someone who looks like the guy who fired your dad. Like, uh-huh. if, <laughs> if, if I, I understand that the right. way I look, <laughs> sure, graying nicely at the temples of mm-hmm. a certain height. I, you know, I haven't missed a lot of meals. Uh-huh. I, I just, you know, it, it's like I, I know that I know the 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 presentation that I give. Yeah, but it, and the, but there's a humanity behind that. That's why Breaking Bad was so popular. Mm-hmm. And I think Pat mixes that into Extifer. She did. Where you're not just the one-dimensional, you know, Darth Vader. Yeah. Right. Uh, bubble. Yeah. Right. But you are an individual who has been hurt. And one thing that we talked about in the last podcast was your relationship with... God damn it, who is the, uh, the, the, the female character's name? Chelsea. Kamiri. Chelsea uh, Kamiri, yeah. yeah. You know, you have you have a thorn in your paw. Yeah. You know, because you're still carrying on the fact that she left you. Carrying a torch. For right, carrying yeah, a torch. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if you know if she was pregnant at that time. I'm trying right. to remember he, the... He the, didn't. The, yeah. I know, he doesn't. He right, doesn't exactly. find out to the end of the play. I didn't. And yeah. it was really cool, that moment. I mean, that w- moment was the humanity of the play because there yeah. was a lot of, you know, technical, you know, yeah. jargon and blah, 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 blah. A lot of selling, a lot of tech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, especially the beginning of these, I'm going to call it the third act. Yeah. Um... 
where she has this really wonderful monologue about, yeah. hey, this is a girl and, you know, and she was pregnant. She lost the pregnancy. But yet these ads are just hitting her and hitting her. You would think, oh, you and your character would be like, oh, wow, that's just so sad. But no, no. you're like, God damn it. I should have been a part of that. Yeah. yeah. I should have been part of the thought process. You made it yeah. a part of you. Yeah. And of course, it's assholery, but it is human. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how people are. That's that's the brilliance of Patricia Milton. She, like we were saying before, she can bring the heat, and she does for the entire thing, mm. but she also brings the light. And yeah, it was like, yeah. that was the part where you see how the human, how humanity is affected by all these decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it all ladders up to something. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, that's also Chelsea Bierce being able to pull it yeah. off. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you about that particular beat. Yeah. Did you and Gary talk about that particular part, or did you, was it just you reacting to her and you making those adjustments on your own? You know, I told Gary from the very beginning, this is this is the tough part, because the entire time I'm I'm a bulldozer. Yes. I'm, I'm bullying people intellectually into doing what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that part, I'm you're sort of revealing... You know, that's me taking off the shoe and seeing the abscess, and, mm-hmm. and it was like, I, how do I, how do I play this? And it it's been an evolving thing, and his direction has been consistent, mm-hmm. and his direction is listen to her, right? <laughs> and it's after four weeks of knowing what she's going to say that gets more difficult, uh-huh. but she does it different every night, uh-huh. and so yeah, I, no I and just just not worrying what I look like, mm-hmm. knowing how my character feels about it and playing off the way that she's doing it right now. Mm. And I, I don't always get it right, but I, I'm glad to hear that you thought that I got it right on the night you saw it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, you, oh, don't you agree, Norman? Yeah. I mean, that no, was I love problem. the uh, yeah. description of bulldozer because it felt like that's how you were sitting there, engine yeah. idling, yeah. ready to move forward. Yeah. And almost the first thing you say after she's done all that is once she's shut you up. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was like, whoa, okay. I love that about this character. He just out of nowhere says, I'm human. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then he gets back on, but I got something I got to get done. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That was, that's the hardest, that's, you guys nailed it it instantly. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but that, that was the hardest and, and most important turn of the play for my character, I thought, was I have to eat this information Mm -hmm. that this woman I finally get the story that I've been begging her for, which is a story that I don't want to hear. Right. Is that she left because she was pregnant with my baby and she right. didn't want to raise it with me. <laughs> yeah. And I have to absorb that. I have to take it. And then I have to turn the corner and have, bring it right back to the job, which is right. we need you and we need your mom. Right. And so I'm going to say these things that I probably don't feel, <laughs> you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get this fucking train back on track. Yeah. And it's, when it hits, I feel like I'm doing Patricia and Chelsea justice. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure that I, I can pull it off every night or that I do. But again, I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear Well, you've got to take the risk. Yeah. I mean, that's it's. I'm dealing with um, a bunch of poets mm. um, for this Baldwin piece. And one poet keeps sending me new pieces. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know, we're clear that number one, nothing else is going in. I've got. I've got what I'm going to use and that's fine, but he keeps wanting and he, you know, he sent me one piece and maybe I responded or didn't just quickly. And then I got a second piece and then I got a third piece 
And I was like, I need to respond to this guy or he's going to keep doing this. And so I finally had to respond and say, you know, I'm actually at this interesting place in my career where I enjoy the I don't know about my character. Hmm. What I do know kind of paints me into a corner. Yeah. And if that is structurally what's going on, then I need to, A, find my way into that corner. Because nobody intentionally paints themselves into the corner. So how is it that I end up there? What is my choice? What is my process? And then once I'm there, what's going to happen? Well, that's part of what we want to watch. We as an audience want to see what's going to happen. And I've got to trust the director and I've got to trust the playwright. But I never stop searching for yeah. the again you don't paint yourself into a corner and go oh, shit i'm painting into a corner you paint yourself into a corner and you go well fuck how do i get out of here yeah. and that's when it gets interesting it's been great being <clears throat> in a comedy and and figuring out a way to make a line that had never gotten a laugh before mm-hmm. get one mm-hmm. yeah and when you read the script you're like oh this is a good line right. this is gonna kill him <clears throat> yeah and then it never works and right. you're like what am i doing wrong and then you, and then Part of it is the ones that do. I think that's kind of what painted me into a, ca- a corner, so to mm-hmm. speak, is like, I know these moves will get me laughs right. on these things, and yeah, ultimately yeah, yeah. this is a comedy. Um, but it's making it so these things don't work as well. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, Chelsea and Luell are so good at what they do and so good at staying in the moment that they're giving these little opportunities to have me deliver my line a right. little bit different. Yeah. I've always felt that staying in the moment, because that's the hardest thing, because you're always anticipating the next moment. Right. Yeah. And, of course, if you anticipate it, then the audience will anticipate it as well, yep. or you sort of give it away. Yep. But staying in the moment, especially if you're getting something new, like you are mentioning you getting something new from Chelsea, mm-hmm. um, if you like, oh, wow, that's different, all of a sudden you're locked in that one moment. Mm-hmm. So you can properly improvise or make that next moment fresh. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, choreographed. Well, it's all the trust scenes that you learn in every acting class you ever do. There's a certain point where you really have to completely throw yourself. And yes, you are about to fall on your face if your scene partner doesn't catch you. Right. Norman and I have been having debates about class or no class. (laughs) Acting? Yeah, as far as going to school or not going to school. I did. I did one class before this because I, I, I my anxiety would have eaten me alive if mm-hmm. I was going to go into mm-hmm. uh, acting to for jump the first time like yeah. without any 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 vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to at least be, and I was so nervous to work with Luell and, and Chelsea and Jan. They're so experienced, and I was. I took a Meisner class um, mm-hmm. at a place called M, M Powerhouse. They're here in Emeryville. Ah, uh-huh. uh, Melissa uh, is the is the is the teacher. Melissa mm-hmm. Hillman. No, not not Hillman. Okay, never mind. Let me look it up. Hold on. Uh, Melissa, but they taught me the basics of Meisner, which it's all kind of, it's funny. Like, it's all about staying real and staying with your, with the reality, of, right. with the emotional reality of who you're speaking to, staying in right. that the right. entire time, right. no matter where it goes. Right. And as soon as I started rehearsing, Gary was like, you need to fill this room with your voice and your person and this and this is what you needed to, and I was like wow this is this is very different from mm-hmm. the Meisner class oh, yeah. where I'm staying in the but it's not it's like he yep. was just giving me what the baseline needs to be yep. and then you need to listen yeah and so it was it was I think it was invaluable to have that one class mm-hmm. I, I could also see how 
I don't, I, I, I don't want to speak about what I don't know literally, but like I could, I could also see how like learning by doing helps. Well, sure. It's, oh, it's I think huge. it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think there's some folks who, if they're going, if you're going to, I mean, I imagine you know there are some roles that are very light. Uh, there are some roles that are really, really heavy. I mean, you know, I wouldn't recommend doing Hamlet, you know, as your right. first thing, because uh, you need a little bit of, you need to do research and understand how to break down doing a Shakespearean script, um, that sort of stuff. Um, so I think it depends on what you want to do. You yeah. know, if you want to, you know, do the lighter roles, then you may not need that much. Or if you have enough life experience and there's a role that y- really connects with you. Mm-hmm. Well, that was what I was lucky about me. I, being in advertising, it mm-hmm. is not so much with clients, but internally, it's, it's, you have to convince someone that something is a good idea. Mm-hmm. You're constantly, I've never sold a single product in my life. I sell ads that sell those products. Right. And so I've never, the rubber's never hit the road. It's just rooms where you're with people and you're trying to convince them how to do something. Right. And so in, in, in that, in, in that way, Extifer came Mm -hmm. somewhat. Yeah. No, there are a lot of parallels. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of of things that you brought to the character. Um, Where do you see yourself in the future? Fuck, man. I, who? I, if you'd asked me a year ago, I'd never say here. <laughs> no! You know what I mean? I have no clue, yeah. man. But if you'd asked me yeah. 10 years ago, I would never said playwriting. Yeah. But then uh, along comes Gary Graves. Along comes uh, these writers who, to your point, Norman, had life experience like me and wanted to apply it. Right. Along comes Mina Marita and this incredible uh, chance to see fucking Christopher Chen put a play together. Right, right, like, right. And it all just... It all just happened. So for me, mm-hmm. it almost seems like folly for me to be like, this is where... I can tell you where I want to be. Yeah. I want to have... I want to go through the process of, of staging a full-length play of my own mm-hmm. somewhere in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, I, obviously. I yeah. mean, that's, mm-hmm. to say it out loud yeah. I, yeah. makes me feel like a douche for reasons yeah. that I... You're still working with Playground, right? Oh, God, yeah. 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 Playground's been... Well, not j- just Playground, but Network... Network effects, yeah. So, yes. mm-hmm. so Playground, Playground's been fabulous. I've been with this is my second year. Last year, I was lucky enough to have Norman select one of my pieces. Norman act in one of my pieces, um, Boogie Cousins in the one point eight seconds that changed everything. And then uh, with James, directed by Tanika, yeah. and then yeah. it was selected for best of, and it was directed by Ron Drell. And, oh, and Ron Drell, wow, yeah. Ron McCormick, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Have you had him on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, he's it was such a fucking yeah. pleasure to watch him work. He was working with Kenny Scott and Kari Moy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and they uh, I didn't realize Kenny Scott tall? Bald. Okay. <laughs> taller taller than taller than it's not not Kari. he's not yeah, he's, he's not taller six, than eight. Kari. Okay. He's taller than Kari okay. and he but you know one of Kenny's one of Kenny's moves, one of one of his many mm-hmm. I think um, tools Mm-hmm. is the ability that, and and Boogie Cousins has the same thing. He's he's the type of person where when he gets angry, he gets more articulate. Sure. And when you yeah. can when you it's a hard it's like you either have that or you don't. That's right. a yeah. real hard thing to fake. <laughs> right. And he has this thing where he 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 would just deliver a line and it was scary. Um. And it would and it was scary because of his ability to yeah, hit right. every fucking, and it was it was just a goddamn pleasure to watch those guys work together. Because yeah. Kari is, Kari was 
he is and was he's he's a he's a lovable person he loves yeah. every moment he's on stage yep. he loves the person and that's who that character was and mm-hmm. that's you brought that to lynn is fine too mm-hmm. what what was interesting was seeing it the reading was james small jr is six eight six yeah nine. yeah yeah and and to see that physical that was tanika's brilliance yes she's like oh i gotta sit him down yeah. so that when he stands up yes there's this mountain that suddenly yes. appears on yeah. stage <laughs> So that was that was that was fantastic. I think your question was about playground. That was that whole experience mm-hmm. meeting Rondrell, meeting Tanika, getting to work with you, getting to mm-hmm. work with James, getting to work with Kenny, getting mm-hmm. to work with Kari, uh, has been. I mean, there's no amount of money can get you that. Like, yeah. the, right. like I, you can't buy it. You can't get like you just have to. It just has to happen. Yeah, it, it is the best of what playground offers. It really, it really was. Is. It, it yeah. was fabulous and then so what are you working with playground with with now yeah and if, it, yeah so they have an incubator mm-hmm. and they they have um they have incubated new theater companies what it means for me i i work with uh, another writer ipshita furtado she was kind of part of that original group of writers that we were all taking classes together and she has a real passion for the stage as well and so we we both have had 20 years of experience in our respective industries. Mm-hmm. She's, she's from tech. I'm from advertising. I've done a lot of ads for tech. We're good friends. Mm-hmm. And we've, 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 become, we've become very good friends. And we've decided, hey, let's, let's, try, to, let's try to apply for this incubator through Playground um, and step up and try to give ourselves the opportunity to put our own stuff on, help our friends. Mm-hmm have access to this fabulous resource that is playground and set ourselves apart by saying, Hey, we have experience in these industries. This Mm -hmm. is what we come to. And network effects was born of the idea of starting a theater company that explores the literal effects of the network. So it's like new plays that, that talk about tech in a way that, um, you know, you could look at it, it's like tech for tech pros. Sure. Mm-hmm. But that's not it at all. Yeah. That, like, the idea is, like, we can actually... We're, we're banking on the idea that there are people who are making their money, living their lives, working in tech and around it in the Bay Area, and want to see it dissected in a way that other people without that experience just can't. Sure. And mm-hmm. so sure. that's a lot of words to describe something that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I compare it to, you know, every time Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, had did a Macworld or an Apple thing, yeah. he's not just introducing a product. He's educating a person, the audience, who are not tech savvy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching a documentary on MP3s and, and, the, mm-hmm. I, and the transition from physical, uh, like, you know, tapes and yeah. CDs or whatever to the digital world. And when he brought in the iPod, he was not only that, but he, he did what Diamond Rio and a couple of other folks were not doing. I'm going to educate an audience who doesn't understand what's going on, what an MP3 is, mm. how you rip it, mm. and how you can enjoy it. Yeah. And he did it very, very simply. So I think that, you know, your plays or what your company is going to be doing is creating plays about technical stuff, but doing it in a way that people can understand. I think so. I, the first play is about... Berkeley Lab mm-hmm. and the people that are using supercomputers to model the climate, mm-hmm. and it's sort of uh, it's about it's it happens right in the breakthrough where yeah. one of the scientists 
can model the the Earth's climate forward and backward, and yeah. does so successfully for the first time in human history. And it's about the argument as to whether or not they should publish yet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's always been if you saw Oppenheimer, yeah, the yeah. last act was about does the do the people who had the smarts to come up with the breakthrough should they be allowed to stay in the decision matrix of how right. it's used in the in the future right sure. and so it's kind of it's it's that theme is similar in this. yeah um but i've also noticed there's a great hunger in the bay area edit annie just played in crowded fire at mm-hmm. the magic theater mm-hmm. um um the cutting ball is putting on a piece right now mm-hmm. um that was a Car- Car- carol Capcheck. It's a, it's an old Czech writer where the word oh. robots came from. Oh, R U R, yeah. Yes, yes, R U R, and they're putting on a new version of that at Cutting Ball. Yeah, and I think I'm not saying that we're we're coming up with anything that other people haven't thought of, mm-hmm. but it it's there's a hunger out there to yeah. just, to explore even, this even, space. Even engine of our disruption. Is, oh, is, um, is, is, is of course, of yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was going to say it should go without saying, but maybe it should go with saying that that Patricia is doing that very well right now. Amazingly, I mean, yeah. she made a play that the first act is about autonomous vehicles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way to teach the audience about what developer bias is as yeah. it relates to AI. Uh, as it relates to yeah, AI. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then the second act is about a wearable that my character has developed mm-hmm. that guides ethical decision-making. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And what you've learned from the first act should tell you in the second act why this is a terrible idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? And so that, Patricia's dedication and and study and her ability to like go deep in that world to be able to pull that out as a story mm-hmm. and then wrap it in this human you know, relationship. Yeah. Fucking, I mean, and I only do it with four characters. I know. Boy, if that, someone told me you're going to write a play yeah. like that, I'm going to need like 10 or 12. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and she does it and it's the same rooms and it's, right. it, it's central works. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. stripped down. It's about the characters. It's about the reactions. Yeah. It's about the relationships. Yeah. It's not, it's not like going to the Berkeley rep where you go there to watch the back wall of the set get sucked up into the ceiling. Like right. a fucking UFO. Just, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. And it's, it's really about, on the ground, the, the human interaction between these three yeah. people, moment yeah. to moment. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, well, that's what, I mean, when we had Patricia Milton on, she said the spectacle, I think she said Sophocles, or yeah. some philosopher yeah. said that there needs to be spectacle in theater. Yeah. And when Citral works, the spectacle is the actor. Yeah. Yep. And you guys are the spectacle, and you guys do a magnificent job. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to believe uh, that you guys would say that, but it's... Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's been such an incredible pleasure. I, I I feel like I'm on one of those wild rivers, like where you. I don't know how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> but hang on. Yeah, that's yeah right. <laughs> right. I'm going to be chafed for the rest of the day because my pants got wet. Now I got to walk to the other roller coasters. No, no, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, birthdays because it's twelve forty two. I know we gotta. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Susie Butler <clears throat> is a singer. And I met her because she was doing a piece about um, Sarah Vaughn. Ah, oh, the Divine Sassy. Yeah, and uh, it was amazing to work on that as a solo piece in um, her birthday's today. Nice. Uh, Ter- I'm going to leave that one for you. Okay. Stuart Bozell's birthday is today. He has been... Stuart, I met through Play Cafe um, on a panel about 
professional, you know, union, non-union. And he is, I don't know that he would claim he's anti-union, but boy, he sort of sounds that way. And I'm not like 100% pro-union, my union, (laughs) but I do feel like they do good things. So it was interesting because we were at each other, but in the most respectful way, I was like, damn. And he has been doing, um, what is it, the Olympiads and all kinds of things for years. So his birthday, I think, is also today. Um, You may have this one. I will leave it for you. Christian Haynes' birthday is coming up this week. Um, Wonderful actor. And he and his wife, um, Melissa Ortiz, have moved down to L.A. And as soon as they moved down there, I started seeing her pop up in commercials everywhere. So I'm like, wow, good good for her. Yeah. So I hope they are doing well. Uh, Greg Watanabe is somebody I met, I think we actually met when I was just coming out of school, and we did, uh, San Francisco Shakespeare Festival had a Midsummer Night's Dream school tour, and we met on that, Um, and then he eventually moved to LA, and so every now and then when you get one of these big, what's going on with Asian actors, and how are they being treated, and whatever, if they want a voice from LA, it's often Greg who ends up speaking up, I think that's great. Linda Jones, one of the things that we've kind of touched on a number of times is there's that notion of you climb up, you rise, you you develop your career, and there's a there's an illusion that there's a trajectory that takes you from the bottom to the top. And I don't think that's true. I think there's lots of amazingly talented people who never get anywhere near the top. Mm. Um, they just get ignored or, you know, just, you know... It, for whatever reason, Linda was one of those who was working here, and I think at the time she was actually working with Crowded Fire. Um, she moved to uh, New York and started working more, and I was very happy. Uh, to this week, the ninth is Derek Rodman Mueller's birthday. Derek is the son of Amy Mueller, who was running the Playwrights Foundation. I sent my I sent my a full length to Amy Mueller. Yeah. And she was nice enough to read it and give me feedback. Nice. Well, she is just incredible. She works. Man, that woman works. Uh, James Brooks is one of the older African-American actors in the Bay Area. Um, still around. I'm not sure if he's still doing Every now and then I call him for a project. And sometimes he's like, well, maybe. And sometimes he's like, I'm feeling like I can't make that commitment right now. I'm like, James, please. I, he's He's a joy. Um, other end of the spectrum, Avery Mitchell was one of my students up in Richmond at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts, and he has now moved up to Portland. And I'm curious to know what he's doing since I've got family up there. I'm like, dude, if you're doing something, I might be able to come see it. Uh, Michael Patterson was an actor I went to San Francisco State with, and a lot of actors, more actors than people may be aware of, are kind of nomadic. They're looking for that next job, and so they're here, and then they're across the country, and then they're in the Midwest, and then they're in Dallas. Michael is one of those. (laughs) Um, Madeline Butler is a, whoops, misspelled, but uh, Madeline Butler is one of the playwrights in the uh, playground pool, Mm -hmm. and... And the last one I have is Valerie Week, wonderful actor ah, yeah. in the Bay Area. It's wild because we've watched each other over the decades as our careers have gone on. And it's very satisfying to see a promotion for a show where I'm like, oh, looks like Valerie's the lead in that. Yay. Yeah. I remember when we were just kids. <laughs> so those are my birthday kids for the week. All right. Um, mine, um, Blant Brower, his birthday is today. Uh, he was part of Theater Rhubarb 
when that was going on, uh, and he was in, I'm looking at a post of The Marriage of Benton Boo. He was the father of Boo, and he and I, not only is he a fantastic actor, but he is a fantastic uh, guitarist. And he and I have jammed a bunch of times oh, uh, back nice. in the day. Um, so happy birthday, Brant. His birthday's today. Yesterday was Fle- uh, Faye Lancaliano. Um, Lacanilla now, Faye. Um, her birth, uh, I was on stage with her. We did Ni Dallas says world famous Lechon. She's part of Bendelsif Studios, and it was wonderful working with her. A great Philippine actress. Uh, her birthday was yesterday. Two days ago, it was it was Bruce Kaplan's birthday. Bruce is a fantastic veteran actor, and uh, he and I were on stage for One Ten in the Shade. Um, so his birthday was two days ago. Also two days ago was Richard Harder, the former um, director, artistic director for Off-Broadway West. They've done a bunch of uh, plays before Off-Broadway West closed down, and they, he and Barbara are now in uh, Washington enjoying themselves. Um, Way up in Washington. Yeah, right? exactly. On Tuesday will be the incredible Catherine Park. Uh, she is a actress-slash-singer, and she's been on the A a bunch of times at least three times, and she's been a big contributor to the A buying jerseys and promoting the show, and uh, she has two albums out right now that are on Spotify, so check that out. Mm. What uh, website can I buy the Yay jersey at, by the way? Uh, it's not a website, but you can uh, just PM me. Okay. Matter of fact, I've got a jersey right here. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, and I just gave you, you got the alteration information from me, right? No, I didn't. Oh, it's in a its in a text I sent you like yesterday or something. Okay, we'll, we'll talk it about it. It says alterations. Excellent. Thank you so much. Because we've got, I've, we're going to produce more Yay yep. jerseys. But yeah. thank you, Catherine, for, sponsoring, uh, for promoting us. And happy birthday to you. Her birthday is two days from now. Um, Rachel Pospisil, Pospisil, but in any case, she is a director. I uh, did sound work for her. Uh, it was Heather's, uh, the, uh, you remember the, sure. the, movie, the movie that became a musical. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we had, uh, some interesting times doing that. That was just before the pandemic hit. Uh, happy birthday to Rachel. And I think that may be it. You took Mal- Valerie Wink. No, I, I, I had... There was one... I thought there were a couple that you would do. Yeah, no. Um, Ray Renati. Mm-hmm. Didn't we have him on? I thought we did. Ray Renati. Um, I know him as a director. Um, and Terry Sullivan. The birthday is today. Oh, shucks. No, no, that's it. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Terry Terry's, Sullivan's oh, birthday shame on me. is today. Yeah, yeah, no, Terry's fantastic. Uh, was a long time... Um, Administrator, um, uh, managing director, I think, or yeah, something like that for yeah. the DMT. Yeah, yeah. Terry Sullivan. As a matter of fact, he did. Uh, he was the. Um, oh shucks. Um, but he he was a longtime employee of the Douglas Morrison Theater. He did right. a lot of the administrative. Even work. as other people were gone, he was yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. No, he he is just fantastic. I was just going to say one. Luel Senores, yes. who, is, who plays Chip Wingo yeah. in the in the production, his birthday was recently, and he just got selected from the writer's pool for his first production. Hey! Yeah! yeah. Luel yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. You know, what's funny about Luel is that I was a stage manager uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, for Mesmeric Revelation, uh, which was at Central Works, and I had taken over from Luel, who was the resident stage manager. Oh, wow. uh, so uh-huh. to see him rise from stage manager to actor, and now he's producing, it's been fantastic, and it's great seeing him on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw him in, I think it was The Human Ear. 
Yeah, that's a wonderful play. Anton's Well. Yeah. Yeah. No, no Luella is magnificent. Uh, before we get into shows, let me uh, introduce you to our second sponsor, Charles Blades Barbershop. Thank you for sponsoring the 8 Charles Blades Barbershop is located at 182nd Street in downtown Oakland. It's very cool. It's a relaxing place where you can get your hair cut and they'll even provide you with a complimentary drink. Uh, they're also selling men's hair products like hair gels, pomades, shampoos, and conditioners. You go on to CBB Grooming Products dot my shopify dot com and give their products a try and support minority businesses like my man charles blades mm. want to thank them for sponsoring the yay uh you already mentioned yay jerseys so uh it's thirty dollars and you can pm me on instagram or facebook or whatever and it's uh 30 bucks shows i i you know uh, i'll go ahead oh no actually you know what i do have is the um i don't know how much of the innovators showcase that you have but i have that uh, oh, the, oh yeah i um actually i don't have that on there but so yes. uh monday is going to be um oh, i just pulled it up where is it monday is going to be um analog theaters um uh, come on Ma- uh, they're what do they call it masked monday okay um there it is um, so that'll be this Monday, seven o'clock, um, at Potrero Stage. Um, and if you haven't seen them, they're so worth seeing. Uh, Jed Pisario is in it, hey. and it's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, on Friday, uh, mm-hmm. Chickahan Company is presenting at the Potrero Stage, Very seven nice. o'clock. And then they, I, apparently, they have two other shows. Um, there's a bunch of folks that are involved with that, including Conrad. Yeah, um, Chickahan. That's the uh, new Philippine uh, playwright. Uh, Philippine company. But I'll I'll leave that for now and then I'll do the next ones for next week. Sure. Oh, uh, I, and if people want it, it's playground playground-sf.org slash innovator and you can get all that information. Yeah, I was going to say uh, uh, Network Effects has a reading of Don's Is that this Light. week? It's on the 15th. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yay, and we'll we'll promote it again next week. Oh, shit, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no I've heard about that. Dawn's Early Light. That's a, uh, I'm trying to remember what the play is about. It was the one I was describing before, the uh, the Global Climate, uh, climate right. Model Project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 that, that's fantastic. And obviously, the engine model disruption is still playing. That'll yep. be until November the 12th. Has it been extended? No, it we got extended. the 19th, right? Yeah, we got extended. Uh, yeah. So get your tickets uh, on centralworks.org. Yeah. It is through the 19th, Sunday the 19th. Yeah. Yep. Come see us. Absolutely. No, it, it is fantastic. You've got to come see us. And it. it's selling. So mm-hmm. you better jump on it because <laughs> they're, they've got a few shows that are sold out already. No, no, it's fantastic. Also, Center Rep at the Lesher the- Center of the Arts, they have The Legend of Georgia McBride. That opened uh, tonight. That opens tonight. Yep. Uh, until the 26th, Jed Presario, we just talked about yep. him. Alan Coyne, who's in everything, and it, yeah. directed by Elizabeth Carter. Mm-hmm. Check that out. Who's in everything? There's also Joe Ayers is in it, and, um, and Chris Steele was mm-hmm. um, the, I don't know if he was cultural consultant or dramaturg, but he was involved with it yeah and that's awesome and he's also in the the um i was gonna say central works not central works not crowded crowded not crowded cutting fire ball. cutting ball yeah. yeah he's in the cutting ball show yeah yeah there you go uh also lower bottom play is they have just opened uh for joe turner's come and gone and that'll close the 26th so check that out yeah. uh mm-hmm. of course directed by ayo daily inzinga Doctor. And Dr. Adele, that's right. Don't forget mm-hmm. the doctor. Uh, and we have the link for that, so check that out. New Conservatory Theater Center is doing We Are... Excuse me. We Are Continuous. Um, that opened October the 20th, and it ends 
November the 26th, directed by Sean J. West, lit by Dr. Stephanie Johnson, a fantastic black amazing um, uh, lighting, lighting designer. designer. Yeah. Sean J. did the Soldiers play at the, yes. the Altarina, right? Yeah, yeah that exactly. Was amazing yeah. production. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. he was almost going to be in our reading. And then he's got a conflict on the Saturday. Oh, like, what a shame. But yeah, but check out Weird Continues. That's going to be fantastic. Um, Z Space Z Below is doing Citizen. Um, that opened October the 18th. It closes November the 12th. Carolina Moronis. incredible. Yeah, is and Letitia Duarte Leticia, yeah. is in that. So check that out. Uh, San Jose Playhouse. Uh, the last show is tomorrow. Disenchanted. Uh, a very uh, dark story about mm. Disneyland. Echo mm-hmm. Yamamoto is in that, who's been on a tear this year. She's been right. in all sorts of stuff. And she will be in Sleeping Beauty, along with Sharon Shaw. Mm-hmm. That'll be at the Presidio Theater, December the 1st through the 30th. Mm-hmm. Also, last show tonight, Nollywood Dreams. Hey, Tanika. <laughs> Tanika Baptiste, we were just talking about yeah. her. Mm-hmm. As well as... Angel Adidokan. Uh, so check that out. I believe mm-hmm. Tanika was a, quoted as being a comic gem in the in the Quran. Right. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. No, I've heard wonderful things about Nollywood Dreams, so check mm-hmm. that out. Um, don't just listen to our podcast. There are other podcasts that are fantastic. Barry Graves has The Black Man's Heart, so check that out. Mm-hmm. Mallory Samara, her day job is KCBS, and she has two shows that she produces. As prescribed, a weekly conversation with leading medical experts at UCSF Medical Center. And it's generational, a deep dive on how each generation looks at things differently. So check that out. Central Works has the Central Works Script Club. That's a podcast where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright, delivered semi-annually. Aaron Henney is the director of the Theater Dybbuk in L.A., uh, a former uh, resident of Central Works. Um, Theater Dybbuk is a Jewish-based theater group, and they have the podcast, The Dybbukast. Mm-hmm. Through a combination of performed readings and interviews with artists and scholars, the Dibicast brings these creations and their historical context to life, all while revealing their relationship to issues still present today. And lastly, Bendelstiff Studios has the podcast called The Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. Check out The Fobcast on any podcast app. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> all right. Mike, did you have a good time? Man, this is great. You, I think you have you got an adver- you got a career in advertising you know, with that delivery. That was <laughs> pro style. Hey, might be calling you up. Articulators and resonators. There Aluminum and linoleum. Unique New York. Articulators in before. <laughs> oh yeah, let me ask you guys that. What, yeah. What's the what's the warm up? What's the warm up before you get on stage? Do you have one? Like red leather, mm, yellow leather. What what is maybe it? What do you got? My favorite is Theophilus Thistle, the unsuccessful thistle sifter, while sifting. A sieve of unsifted thistles thrust three thousand thistles through the thick of thy thumb. Damn, <laughs> you go for that. Now that, that's an time. articulator. Now the resonators, we can. That's a whole different conversation. Okay, that, and that's yeah, that's where I, if Chest, I spend any time. It's mask, resonators, head, all that stuff. But for me, more than anything, it's walking into whatever the performance space is. Yes, and just kind of making some sound so you can really get that in your body. It just drives me crazy as a stage manager. Uh, I recently uh, stage managed a thing where actors were just like walking in like 15 minutes before the audience opens and they're like, don't you want time on the stage? Yeah. Just to absorb it and, you mm-hmm. know, to test your voice. Yeah. And just, you know, do a little bit of warm up. Mm-hmm. But even just walking the stage. Yeah. Yeah. 
interesting. I I just started doing uh, air squats mm-hmm. before I go on, like ten minutes before I go on stage, yeah. mm-hmm. and it just gets like uh, it kind of dries out my it, it, it loosens everything. Yeah, okay. like yeah. I yeah. don't know what an air squat is. It's just a squat with no weight. You just start doing squats. Oh, okay, gotcha. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Probably get the, uh, the, um, your lungs and yeah. you're, you're mm-hmm. just flowing. If I was yeah. a younger man, I'd drink coffee. <laughs> but if I drink coffee after 2 p.m., yeah. my life goes to yeah. hell now. Yeah, but yeah, I'll text yeah. you. Uh, I have a list of like uh, articulators, like little tongue twisters or whatever. Or even not necessarily mm-hmm. tongue twisters. Eli is telling Ari Ann's answer. E, E, E. Make sure those are our... Patricia's got a couple of those in the script. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. Drivers will calibrate their cars. I was like... Yeah, yeah. right. Make sure those are... One funny story before we end. So I was at NYU and I was doing a Shakespeare's uh, Hamlet. Mm -hmm. And I said, what dreams will come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil may give us pause. And the teacher was like, wet dreams? Wet dreams? Wet dreams? Wet dreams? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, what? Ah. What? Oh, what? Right. Whatever. Well, right. in their defense, wet dreams may come. Whoa! 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 Too much? Too much? Oh, it's funny. All right, you're listening to us already. We're on the Apple Podcast, that purple podcast app on your iPhone or iPad. Uh, we're also on Spotify. We're on Overcast, SoundCloud. We're now on the Amazon Podcast. You can just click on, go on music.amazon.com and search for the A and you will find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. I'm at Red Space Clay. I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Mike, is there a way for people who can reach you? Uh, NFX Theater ER. Okay. Uh, at um, Substack.com. We're uh, we're about to get our site up. We've I've got a friend of mine getting some visuals together so we can have okay. a social media presence. But mm-hmm. we're getting all that on its feet uh, mm-hmm. in the next couple months. So, but in the meantime, mm-hmm. NFX Theater mm-hmm. with an E. R E. No E R. E R. Got it. Dot com, and that uh, and that's a Substack. So NFX Theater at Substack or dot Substack.com. Or if you just Google NFX Theater, it should get you there. Yeah, but we'll have, we'll have a link to that. NFXtheater.substack.com. Yeah. Now, what about, do you do like um, Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? I, you know, I need to now that, I, <laughs> I, now, now that you have a company. Hey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we got to get all this off the ground. Yeah. But uh, to be, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hey, you know, you have your first acting job. People may say, hey, I want you on my play. You know, so mm-hmm. if you're I looking know. for a great actor, you can't go wrong with my two times. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. The guy that the guy that fired your dad. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. It's a fantastic um, Saturday afternoon. Everybody enjoy themselves. And as Norman and I always say, we, we got to find, find a, a better, better sign off. off. And we are out. Out.